It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 9th of December. Can Jordan Clarkson do it again? We'll touch on that. Plus, Ron Boone joins us to talk about the Jazz upcoming season in the season preview series. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked On Jazz. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice for the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thanks so much for tuning into today's show. It's brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get 20% off your next order. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. All right, uh, I want to get to a bunch of things. Then Ron Boone's nice enough to join us. I hope you enjoyed Tony Jones. Juwan Morgan's not starting. Tony's crazy. Uh, I don't know who's starting, though. I don't know how Favors and Gobert are going to play together. There's a lot of things that are really interesting coming up that we have on Saturday. Uh, Tim Lacombe, who joined us for radio broadcaster last year, and I suspect he will be this year as well, will be joining us on tomorrow's show as a little bit of a special guest. All right, let's get to Jordan Clarkson. Because there's, there was a uh, conversation between Pelton and Zach Lowe of whether or not Jordan Clarkson can replicate what he did last year for the Jazz. At 28 years old, he's coming into his peak. But prior to playing for the Jazz, Clarkson was known as a high-volume, relatively inefficient scorer who only put up numbers on a bad team. And if you recall, he was on terrible, terrible teams. Right, So the first Laker team he was on won 21 games for the whole season. The second Laker team he was on won 17 games for the whole season. The next Laker team he was on won 26 games, even dealt uh, with, you know, had Luke Walton as a head coach in that time period, which is probably not um, the peak of NBA coaching um, after having Byron Scott as a head coach, which is probably not the peak of coaching. He then goes to the Cavaliers where he plays 28 games. They go to the finals and LeBron leaves. And then he ends up with uh, Tyrone Lue for six games who gets fired and Larry Drew becomes the head coach who I really like as a person. I don't know where he ranks in regards to NBA head coaches. And that team wins 19 games. And then the next year, he starts with John Beeline, which was a total, uh, it was a great man, but totally unmitigated. I don't know if he's a great man. Actually, I take that back. It was a totally unmitigated disaster. I hate it when the media says that. All I know is he's a really good basketball coach at Michigan. And I've talked to him twice, but I don't know that he's a great man. That's, uh, that's just not a truth. I don't know he's a bad man. It's just I don't know that. Uh, and then he comes to Utah, and we actually win. So this is the first time in Jordan Clarkson's career that he ever plays on a team that not only is not losing, other than the 28-game the, the stretch with the Cleveland Cavaliers. So he plays 28 games with the Cleveland Cavaliers in 17-18, in which he's on a good team, and they, uh, they end up going to the NBA Finals. He has a bad playoff run. He's... 
he's pretty good in that stretch, right? He plays for the Cavaliers. He plays 28 games. He shoots 46% from the field. He shoots 41% from three. He averages 13 points a game, two rebounds, two assists. Like that actually, that 28-game stretch is probably the one that's the best indicator of what he is as a player. Now, he has a really bad playoffs in that stretch, and so that kind of left him tarnished. For the Jazz, he comes and does something fairly similar. In 25 minutes, he shoots 46% for the floor. He takes six threes and shoots 37%. His effective field goal percentage is 55%, which is higher than it's ever been in his career, and he's now efficient. He goes to the line a few times and shoots about 80%, which is right on his career, and he grabs three rebounds and dishes out two assists exactly as he did. So the first thing on Clarkson is I'm not utterly convinced that he did something so dramatically different than what he did prior in his career when people talk about can he replicate it because he'd only been on one other team in his entire career that had any talent. I mean, those other teams were disastrous. So that's the first part. The second thing is, I do think he changed his game to become that efficient. But all he did was change where he's shooting. He didn't change, like, what percentage he's shooting. He just changed where he's shooting. So, for example, you look at his, you know, his shooting per- effective field goal percentage. Uh, he In Cleveland, his last year on a terrible team, he was a 51% effective field goal percentage shooter. On the Lakers on a terrible team, he was 50%. On, uh, and 48 and 48. That's not very good. The league average is a little higher than that. He's below average. So 48, 50, 50. Now, go to his half season with Cleveland. He's 53. That's good. That's well above league average. That's a positive. Um, and in fact, using you know points gained, which uh, you would see he was positive, and using the basketball reference stat that's eerily close to points gained, which is the extra points added by true shot attempts, He's a negative, 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 negative. The one time he's a positive is that 28-game stretch in Cleveland. Then, last year in Cleveland, in the 29 games in Cleveland, his effective field goal percentage suddenly goes to 53% on a terrible team. And then to Utah, 55%, and he's positive again in total, what they call points added overall shooting, which is basically number of points added by true shot attempts made above league average. It's exactly what points gained is, frankly. Um, so what's going on? Well, he changed two things. One, he's playing on a good team, as I've talked about, which he hadn't done before. And two, he changed where he's shooting. So if you go back and look at his inefficient days, he's taking 22, 15, 16% of his shots as long twos. He wasn't bad at it. He shot 40%. That's about league average. It's just a bad shot with the jazz. He took 2.6% of his shots as long twos. Down from 22 his rookie year and 15 or 16% in the middle of his career. Well, that can't be replicated. Sure it can. Because in the front first part of his year in Cleveland, that's exactly what he did also. And if you look at the year before in Cleveland, he actually has started the decline. So he goes from 22% to 15% to 9% to 2.6%. Like this has been part of it. He has gotten rid of the long two in his game. The mid two, which is the 10 to 16 foot two, he used to take 11, 12, 13% as much as 16% of the time. Last year with the Jazz, he took it 8% of the time. It's the exact same rate he took it in Cleveland and he got it out of his game. What he has added that's unique to his game 
is the three to 10 footer. It's usually not a very good shot for Jordan. It seems to be a good shot. He shot 51% on that shot, but what changed is he took 34% of his shots. Excuse me. He took 42% of his shots inside that range from the rim, about eight feet and in from the rim, 42% of his shots. That's he was at 40% in Cleveland the year before in Cleveland, he was at 37, but then you drop back. He was at 32. Like this is, he didn't get to the only concern is he got to the rim less last year, just 17% of the time because he was taking that little floor. When he did get to the rim, he shot 74%. He was only assisted on 24% of his two point shots. That's incredibly low. It's also right on where he's been for his career. This is who he is. He's an isolation, one-on-one player, who can, and that has become more and more important in the league. He's not actually unbelievable in isolation. He's really good. According to Synergy, he's in the 87th percentile of all isolation players. He shoots on... He took... Uh, with the Jazz... In 42 games last year, they have him at 61 isolation possessions. It feels low. Uh, And he shot 26 of 50. Did turn it over 13% of the time, but his effective field goal percentage was 57%. Puts him in the 87th percentile. It's pretty good. He also is surprisingly good as a pick-and-roll ball handler. At 77th percentile, didn't do it a lot, 162 chances. He is in the 77th percentile, shooting about 51%. So he can come off that pick-and-roll. If he gets a switch, he probably turns that into an isolation. It doesn't count as an isolation, but it's something similar. Solely looking at isolation numbers. Okay, we we all know, like, Harden is crazy, takes 1,500, and Russell Westbrook took 1,000, and then LeBron takes, like, 800. Those are the... Then then there's DeMar DeRozan, who's at about 700, Pascal Siakam, Giannis Adekumbo, and Kawhi Leonard. They're the only people who've taken more than 600 isolations in the season. The rest of the world hovers around 300 isolation opportunities, and that's where Jordan is. Jordan and Donovan actually took the exact same amount according to for the season, according to Second Spectrum, uh, 300 isolations per game. And they were actually very similar. So how special is Jordan if you look at all 300 of his isolations? He comes in at the 67th percentile, Per chance, 74th percent chance when he shoots it, 67th when he moves it. So his strength is not moving it. He's like, it's not, and this is why I think it's totally replicable. It's not crazy great. Like he's good, but he's not like crazy great. In other words, of the top 100 isolation players in the league, he's 32nd. It's good, right? Like it's 67th percentile. That actually matches perfectly to what I just said. Like he's similar to DeLon Wright and Alec Burks and Austin Rivers and Marcus Morris Sr. and Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gay and Harrison Barnes. The guys above him are slightly are Devin Booker, actually a decent amount, but Devin, not a lot. Devin Booker, Campbell Walker, Boyan Bogdanovich, Marcus Smart, Brandon Ingram, Chris Paul. Those are pretty good names that are right above him and the guys right below him we think he's better than he's right where he should be like there's nothing you know if you're wondering because everybody always likes to know this the worst in the league was dylan brooks rj barrett thomas sadaransky tyler hero interestingly enough uh darius Baisley, Devonte graham chris depps Porzingis, jeremy grant gordon hayward gordon hayward wow um of guys who took 100 isolations so 
My point on Jordan is there's three things that have happened here. One is he changed teams. And he got on a good team, which he's done very rarely. Two, he changed his shot profile. He's not shooting it dramatically better in any of the areas. The only thing he did dramatically better last year, I would say, is he shot his career from 3 to 10 feet is 44%. He shot at 50%. And his rim is career 63%. He shot at 74%. But he's actually been on an upward tick on that is for the last few years. So it's not, that's a little high. Like that's, that's probably the one number that's not perfectly replicable. Um, and then the third thing is he's not like crazy great. So it's not like you're asking him to play on a level that's beyond what's reasonable for him. So for that reason, I do suspect the Jazz get something similar out of Jordan Clarkson this season. All right, Ron Boone joins us next. If you haven't heard already, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the number one fantasy basketball show in the country. It's actually a top 50 iTunes sports show right now. Josh Lloyd does amazing work. Make sure you grab that with Josh Lloyd and Locked On Fantasy Basketball, plus our NBA preview show is coming your direction. Today's show, as I mentioned, brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market. It's the candy bar that acts as a protein bar. They also have got all sorts of new fun products, but it's let's talk about the Built Bar. Cookies and cream, yum. Yum is right. They got Built Bites now, too. Mint brownie, yum. Salted caramel, yum. Orange, yum. If you like the nuts, peanut butter and chocolate, uh, coconut almond, peanut butter brownie are the ones that the guys on the staff rave about. 100% chocolate on every bar and incredible macros. It's hard to believe that it's really true. It is, the calories are 130 compared to leading men's bars at 250. Half the fat grams, one ninth the carbs, one seventh the sugar, and almost two times the protein. It's fabulous. It's Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, promo code locked on. You get 20% off. That's promo code Built Bar, locked on, and you get 20% off at BuiltBar.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ron Boone joins us now to talk jazz basketball in our season preview series. Thanks to Tony Jones. Thanks to Thurl Bailey for joining us earlier. Thanks to Craig Bullerjack. The best for last. Well, we might have another guest before we're done. But Ron Boone, how are you? I'm doing good, David. Uh, just waiting for some basketball, man. This time of year, it, it just you're supposed to be playing basketball this time of year, so you're having the, the withdrawals, you know, after 50 years. <laughs> Can you imagine that? How, what do you think is going to be the impact on the veteran players that their biorhythms and their schedule is completely changed? I don't think it would be very much. Um, I think far as conditioning is concerned, I think uh, struggle with that a little bit because of the lack of, of, of a training camp, uh, the lack of, of, of really being able to get into practice and, uh, and it's just going to be entirely different this year. But I think the lack of conditioning and maybe even being able to, uh, to breathe for the most part, but, but I don't think it's going to be too much. Maybe some veteran players, uh, you know, might take a while, getting into it, but I think the young players will probably be ready to go. 
The one thing I think is going to be really, I want your thoughts on this. Uh, team camaraderie, I think, is going to be probably more important than ever before. It sounds as though if they're going to eat dinner, they're going to have to do it at select places, probably as team dinners, right? They're probably going to have to go eat at some place where all of them go, and that's their dinner option for the night. Uh, I thought the other day when George Niang said that Joe Ingles really kind of implored us to follow the rules. Now, all of a sudden, like, you had bonehead teammates, Ron, I mean, particularly in the ABA, but you had bonehead teammates, and if they went out drinking all night and doing crazy stuff and... Then, you know, showed up to shoot around smelling terribly uh, and then dropped 37 that night. You actually didn't care. Now it's a totally different game of whether somebody's not following the rules and doing what they're supposed to do. You're absolutely right, and you're absolutely right about that bonehead guy that would stay up all night and still be able to score 30 and get 20 rebounds. You know, I've I've seen that many, 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 many times. So that. With this virus now, I mean, this is nothing to play with. People are dying. I mean, over 2,000 cases a day, and so many people are uh, getting infected and being hospitalized. You can see why Joe was very, very concerned, you know, and and players are very concerned with, you know, from their families there as well. So now, David, this kind of reminds you of your mom cooking dinner and this is what we're eating, you better eat it, you know, that type of thing. So the players are going to eat in certain places. Uh, this is what's on the menu. Uh, you don't have too many options, so eat it and, and be, be satisfied with it. So it, 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 this, is a dip, this is different, David, and, uh, but you've got to sacrifice. And, and it's not like this is going to be it forever. I mean, this is only going to probably last another year for some of these players. But you got to sacrifice. Everyone's sacrificing. Every major sport is sacrificing, and it's no different than the NBA. But the NBA is definitely um, setting an example, I think, on how to do it. And they have an advantage of, of, of that as well. Well, the guy who built the bubble just got named the Surgeon General, so I guess they're employing the right people, right? Like, yeah. that, that, you know, they, they, <laughs> seem, they seem to be on it. Mm-hmm. All right, we yeah. saw really, really special stuff from Donovan Mitchell in the bubble. Uh, do you yeah. think that was unique to the bubble or was that just the natural progression of his career? We just kind of saw it at a different time because we were playing in August and September. What's your feeling on, on what we saw from Donovan in the bubble? I thought it, 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 it is a progression of the way he uh, has worked very hard of getting to the point where he's at right now. A couple of things that really elevated his game, I think. The bubble, uh, non-travel, and the fact that Boyan was not there, so he had to be more of, a, of an offensive threat. And just think about, David, the many, many practices that we've watched and the things that he worked on and how often he was able to do those things with confidence in that bubble. I mean, the bubble helped a few people. It helped Murray for the most part, for, for the Denver Nuggets. But Donovan Mitchell's game, I think, right now, set the NBA on fire and, and – you don't mention stars in the NBA anymore uh, without mentioning LeBron James and Tatum and uh, Jokic and, and all these guys. And Donovan Mitchell's mentioned, mentioned right there with them. And, and I think that bubble really elevated his game. You mentioned not having Boyan there. What is it going to be to reintegrate? Like, I was looking at some of Boyan's numbers today. Like, it's pretty special. 41% from three. He took the 13 most catch and shoots of anyone in the league. He scored over 30, 11 times last year. Like, it's pretty awesome what he did. How, what's the process of, of 
what does he add and how do you how do they reintegrate him well i don't think he, he needs to add too much of this game because i think his system and the way he plays complements the system that the jazz want he averaged seven three-point shots a game last year and it looks like they want him taking more three-point shots this year you just said he shot what 40 yep. percent from the three-point line i mean that is and if you're taking two or three more i mean that's something that Quinn is really looking for. Donovan will probably, I don't know, maybe he won't take his three or four less shots because Boyan's going to be getting some of those shots and he won't have to be as offensive-minded as he was in the bubble. But, you know, having him back on the floor to compliment Donovan and, and Conley and, and, uh, and Rudy and, and, and Joe is, is going to be something special. And the fact that they're bringing all of those guys back you know, and, and you just hope that the offense is clicking the way it did, you know, last year. You know, it's amazing, Ron. I was looking at the f- top catch-and-shoot guys in the league, guys who get the most catch-and-shoot three-pointers. Of the top 14 guys, Boyan was 14. That's why I looked at it. Only uh-huh. three of them are guards. Wow. So Terrence, that means- Terrence Ross, Ben McLemore, and Eric Gordon. Every other guy taking this many threes is six eight or taller. Oh, that's interesting, and that means that the guards are setting up your your wing players, or do dribble penetration, or or whatever. Um, so that that tells me that that. Um, Boyan's going to be really, really important this year, if that's the case, with Donovan being able to break the defense down Conley. Uh, and as long as the system is getting those type of shots for the right people, and it's going to be special, not only for the Jazz, but you know, for all those other teams that have wing players that shoot the three. What do you expect from Mike Conley this year? Last it was a funky year for Mike. I mean, we look at his, you look at his numbers, and that that's the lowest usage rate he's had in any season since twelve thirteen. The second lowest assist rate of his career. I mean, he really was not able to, or was he the same kind of ball dominant player that conducted everything out of Memphis? Now that he's sat on it for a year, what do you think he does this season, understanding this team? I think this. I think he is going to. He's going to need to make an adjustment to do less. I mean, do more with less. Um, if you understand what I mean, meaning those usage rates that he had in Memphis, uh, it's going to be less here. But he still has to do more. Uh, more meaning an impact on what he's doing with less. Boy, that didn't sound very good, but I understand. I understand what I'm trying to say. But he is. Uh, uh, I thought he was starting to come on very, very strong at the end of the season. Uh, I thought he played pretty well, well there in, in the bubble as well. Um, but catch and shoot player, you'd, I, I'd like to see him be a little more of a catch and shoot player there as well. Which means, you know, either Donovan or you know. Or whoever's going to have to get him the basketball in in, in the right spot. More he, with less. You I know, mean, he, less with more, um, I, I think is going to be the key for him. He might be the one who's impacted most by Boyan because before Orlando, he scored over 20 points just six times. 
in Orlando in the seeding games. Then he left, came back for the playoffs. He scored over 20 points seven times, like in far, like in about 15 games. So, uh-huh. like, it might he actually might be the one who's impacted most by Boyan. Well, that's what I mean by being able to do more with less, which means that his number is going to have to be very, very good with, with, with less amount of attempts maybe or less amount of, uh, of touches. Uh, just be very, very consistent, meaning he can, if he can average 16, 17 points a ball game with 10 shots or 12 shots or something like that, whereas, and, and that means that Boyan can continue to play the way he wants to play, and so does uh, Donovan Mitchell. Uh, but in the meantime, you know, that type of performance and that type of steadiness from, from uh, Conley will make this team very effective. Uh, and to make him effective as well. He's Ron Boone. You can catch him on all the radio broadcasts this year. He's stuck with me. He gets to social distance, which is going to be his best thing. No sitting. You're going to miss sitting on an airplane and me talking your ear off. Can you believe that? You're Hey, Ron, look at this stat I found. You're going to miss that this year. Things you, you never. Call me every, things you, you call me every day. How am I going to miss that? I don't know, but things you're going to wish, you, you know, you never thought the day would come on an airplane at one o'clock in the morning where you wish to hear somebody say, hey, Ron, I got a cool stat. Come here and look. He's Ron Boone. We'll have more coming up with Ron. We'll talk Derek Favors, Rudy Gobert, the Jazz depth, Jordan Clarkson recreating what he did last year. How good is this team? All those things continue. By the way, Lockdown Fantasy Basketball is the number one fantasy basketball show in the world. Make sure you go listen to it with Josh Lloyd at Lockdown Fantasy Basketball on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever your podcast provider is. Today's show is brought to you in part by Homie. Homie's revolutionizing the real estate market, which really means they're saving you money. I can, you know, we can talk about revolutionizing the market and doing these crazy things, and they are. They, but oh wow, that's neat. Like oh, I can watch that from a business standpoint. That's cool. But what you really care about is the money that Homie is saving you. Whether you're on the buying side or the selling side, Homie is saving. But let's talk about the buy side. You see all the funny teal billboards and all the people. What does it mean? It means we're changing the way that real estate's being done on Homie. Homie is. And they're saving you money. They're getting you back as much as $5,000 back to help you with closing costs and fees. Because real estate agents take 6% of all sales. So think about that for a second. $300,000 house, that's $18,000. It seems like a lot. If it's a $600,000 house, it's $36,000. Seems like a lot, 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 lot. So text LOCK, not lot, 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 LOCK to 88588. That's LOCK to 88588. And you'll get connected to a homey agent who'll help you find your dream home, tour homes, make offers, negotiate the best deals, and get you $5,000 back. You can go to homey.com as well if you want to check it all out. Homey is changing the real estate market on buyer's end and on seller's end as well. On the seller's end, it's a fixed fee. Go to lock, go to text LOCK to 88588 and get an experienced local homie agent who will help you every step of the way. Remember, you can buy with homie and save thousands because homie's got your back. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
You know what I didn't get to say for a whole year, Ron Boone? What's that? He takes all the eggs and all the bacon on the slam dunk. (laughs) Derek Favors is back, and he'll be taking all the Ron Swanson eggs and all the Ron Swanson bacon on a first slam dunk this year. What do you think of Favors coming back? I I love it. Um, the strength of this team defensively is is in the middle, and Derek Favors being gone here for the Jazz, I, I thought defensively that was the, the biggest problem that they had. I mean, they dropped defensively, they picked up offensively. I think that defense is is going to uh, is going to come back because Derek can give you uh, the defense or the 15, 12 minutes. 16, 17 minutes a game that that uh, Rudy's not out, out on the floor. I, I don't know the numbers of defensively where the Jazz were uh, when when Derek and, and Rudy were, were playing together, but you can tell you know that the defense is very very good. Well, they were great. I mean, they were uns- they were remarkable. Now, what's going to be really interesting about that? Rubio is a pretty good defensive player. He's a better defensive player than Conley. Like, it'll be interesting to see if they do play together, whether they're able to be as elite defensively as they were when Crowder and Rubio were on the floor, though Crowder didn't play actually much with that group because, you know, our personnel is more offensive-based. That's how we became the number one offensive team after December 24th. So I'll be curious to see if they can be as dominant defensively. Yeah, that's that's going to definitely be the key, right? You know they elevated the offensive game, and that was a priority, you know, in the off season uh, to elevate the the offense, get better with the offense, shoot more three point shots, and and they did just that. But losing Derek Favors, the defense uh, suffered. So that's going to be the key. If, if Derek can come in, um, and uh, you know Quinn's very good at coming up with defensive schemes and that type of thing that could maybe hide Conley or you know someone like that. So. This is going to be an interesting year, and I'm, I'm glad to see Derek back, and so are the fans there as well. You know, he was very popular before he left. He's just the best. Some woman the other day was like, put up a thing on Facebook that she wanted Derek Favors jerseys, and he ends up, well, I'll take care of it. Like, he's the best. Uh, oh, really? The, the thing about, I, I think we got to remember how great Rudy is. Uh, I was looking at, so I'm just blown away every time I start looking, and defensive numbers are so hard to come by, right? Like, it's hard to figure out what a guy does defensively. Rudy Gobert, last year in the NBA, there were like 40 guys, I think it is, that defended at least five shots a night. Brooke Lopez allowed 46.7%, Rudy 50.2. He was the second best in the league. Think about that. When someone shoots in Rudy's near him, it's the second lowest field goal percentage defense in the NBA of any player. But also, think about how many times Rudy just simply denies someone from taking a shot by his presence. Like, his defensive yeah. impact is so astronomically big. Yeah. What happens there, David, is this. And take it for someone who experiences something like that. Because whenever you're in the paint and you're driving to the basket, I mean, you know, some guys are very in- intuitive with their offensive moves and they get up in the air and then they decide on which way they want to go and what they want to do with the basketball, how, what type of shots they want to shoot. But when you drive in the middle with certain guys, shot blockers, guys that you know is going to be there and to make a defensive presence, you're looking for them first. And a lot of times that's, that's all it takes. 
and as you just mentioned, with him in the area and, and you know, what effect it has on an offensive player when they drive into the basket, when they get into the paint, or even if it's, uh, if it's single coverage, it, it really makes a difference. But I know from, from a fact from that uh, the first place person you're going to look for is that shot blocker and that guy that's going to intimidate your shot. Well, you know, the best way to say it is the Jazz were top five in the NBA at not allowing shots at the rim, not, not defending them. Just not allowing them, right? The top one of the top yeah. five teams. They were also top five in the league at not allowing threes. So that is Rudy covers the rim, and nobody mm-hmm. leaves their man. They're the only team in the NBA that did that. So it's the complete package defensively. And now, if you're good in the other 14, 16 minutes that Rudy's not on the floor, boy, if this team could be back to being elite defensively, they might be fabulous. So what does that mean? That means it puts a lot of pressure on your opponent to find ways to put the ball in the basket. Uh, that means your, your, your game prep before the ball game is it, it, designed to um, take Rudy away from the basket or, or, or whatever the case, just to keep him from, from uh, dominating you, you defensively, especially down there in the paint. So that effect is not only on the, on your players and, um, your opponents, but it's also on the coaches too to find a way to to uh, to, to make things happen. How many players in the league? I'm talking about deep, I'm talking about yeah. your opponents' coaches. Yeah, yeah. How many players in the league do you think teams have to change their offensive shoot around to deal with? Right, we watch shoot around. It's oh. almost always about what you're doing defensively against someone's offense. But if you're playing the Jazz, yeah. you've got to do something about Rudy. In your in your shoot around because of as an offensive approach, how many players in the league do you think do that? No, not too many. Maybe maybe a couple, uh, but but uh, it, it's not. This is about Rudy, and not so much about what the team does. This is not so much about okay, this team plays a zone all the time, so we need to do this. This team, uh, you start to put together a game plan, and you're talking about Rudy and how to take him here or put him there. Uh, put him in the pick and roll, uh, just and take him away from the basket. Those things uh, is that, and that's the impact that Rudy Gobert makes, uh, especially with that wingspan that he has. And I think you brought up last year about how he's becoming more or better of a perimeter defensive player uh, than he was, you know, like the year before. So adding that to the way he protects the basket is something special. What is the thing that has you most excited about the Jazz this season? I think the fact that, that what we saw in the bubble and with Boyan coming back, how good is this team going to be? And the fact that they pretty much stayed pat. I mean, they made a couple of changes for the most part, uh, but their core players there, and they were getting better. Uh, I'm just looking for them to get off to a good start and, and still, you know, they finished fourth. Well, they end up before the bubble. They went for it, but uh, this—that's what, what I'm excited about this year. Plus the fact that you know this time of year, David, you're supposed to be playing basketball. <laughs> Let's get it on, you know. What? Uh, what has you the most concerned? What? Are, what? Are, what's? What? Do you have a fear here? Uh, I don't necessarily have a fear. I have so much confidence in in, in this team. Uh, then uh, the only fear I would have would be um, maybe the coaching side of it. I mean, there was the, the Jazz lost what three coaches, um, 
that were instrumental in, you know, putting it, help putting together, putting a game plan over the three or two. Uh, they lost uh, probably two game planners, Zach and Johnny, yeah. and then Sagana was not really a game planner yeah. um, in the okay. same way. So I, I think they'll be just fine. I, I don't think anything scares me. I don't even think any team scares uh, scares me. You know, this this year, not the Lakers. They're pretty loaded. Yeah. Well, I just think that any NBA team, you know, should be able to beat another NBA team. And the the, the matchups uh, is is a key. So if, if you want to put the Lakers in as a team that you would fear, it would be them. Uh, what team, it's been, and I'm talking about out here in the West, I thought, I think, um, is a question mark on how good they're going to be would be the Phoenix Suns. They add Chris Paul, but they play very, very well in the bubble without Chris Paul. Uh, it's just going to be a fun year. They, they, you know, a lot of teams made some changes and, and that were necessary changes. And, and we'll just see how how things fly. But I'd love to see the Jazz get off to a good start. I think they have an advantage because they're starting. All the whole starting five is coming back, and hopefully they get off to a good start. David. Do you think Jordan Clarkson? I said I'd ask this, so I got it before we wrap this up. Do you think Jordan Jordan Clarkson really kind of had a breakthrough? And I talked about this earlier in the show today uh, on on. Why, why I actually think what he's able to do is going to be replicable. But, I mean, that was a different player the Jazz got. 16 points a game, but just far more efficient. Do you think he's going to be able to do that again? He's done it every place he's played. Uh, but the fact that Quinn let him loose. Now, think about, you know, what, uh, you know, Quinn has said about him and how they just, okay, you're a sixth man. You come in. Your job is to score, and uh, and that's what he did. I mean, it, he didn't put any strings on him or anything like that to, to the point where don't do this or you're shooting too much or anything like that. He just let him go, and as a result, you know, he averaged 15, 16 points a game because of that. And this is what I mean by making an impact in a short period of time. So when Jordan Clarkson comes into the game, you know, what game plan does your opponents have to stop him? You know, and and so he's a part of of the game plan, uh, your opponent's game plan when he comes into the ball game. But I think the most important thing is that if Quinn lets him play uh, and do the things that he does best, and he's getting the most out of him. Of course, I broke it down analytically of why he's going to be fine. So just thought I'd let you. Absolutely. You went from the player's point yeah. of view, the coach giving you confidence. I went to the numbers just to make sure that everything, <laughs> there are some things in 2020 that are still the same as they were beforehand. Ron Boone and I will be with you Saturday when the Jazz take on the Phoenix Suns. Chris Paul, Devin Booker in our first preseason game. We'll be back with you Monday for preseason game number two, and we'll start off the season on December 23rd, I think. Yeah. Where's my schedule? I don't 23rd. even know. 23rd. All I know is I don't have to get on. I'm not going to miss a plane this year. That's the only thing I know. Uh, I didn't miss a plane last year either. Don't. Yeah. Against the Portland Trailblazers, Dame Lillard, CJ McCollum, and the crew. Ron Boone, thank you very much for your time. Appreciate you. Okay. Take care, David. See you, buddy. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.